start. Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, B? It's good to see you, man. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. We got stuff to talk about. We do. It was a uh, a busy past week for OU football, and we will discuss Media Day. Last time we recorded was the day of Sooner Media Day, but we needed to get something out for public consumption. But now all of that has transpired, and DMAC, I'm glad we waited, and we will get to uh, why I'm glad here later. But first, yesterday, um, if you were not paying attention on Twitter, Zion Reagans, um, out of Jones High School in Georgia, a Gary, Georgia guy, commits to the Sooners. He is a 5'9", 151s. I think he's probably closer to 160 or just above. Wide receiver. They use him in all kinds of ways in high school, out of the backfield, split wide, in the slot. But the biggest attribute, DMAC, that this player brings is ridiculous speed. He's a, he's a 10'4", 100 guy. He has great stride length. Really, honestly, from a, a sprinting standpoint, you have to go back really to Hollywood to find a guy on OU squad who is going to be as good of a sprinter as he is. Just everything from the mechanics, the knee height, the way he preloads that calf before he hits the ground, how he lands. Everything is so fluid. There's some things to work on, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. But OU, for the second year in a row, acquires some speed. Last year, it was Petaway. He was the deep threat, kind of that stretch-the-field guy that OU needed to get that box cleared out. So now OU this year brings in Zion Reagans, who is faster than Petaway. He's a guy who Petaway is very fast. I think Zion is one of the more elite burners OU has brought in in a very, very long time. DMAC, you've watched a little bit of the film. You've talked about him for a while. What are your thoughts on Zion? Man, I'm excited about uh, what the young man brings to the table, Barry. I, I, I look at him, and Petaway to me is speed. And that he's he's a young man who's going to run fast. He's going to put pressure on the safety. He's going to be able to run that deep post, uh, that 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 deep go route, that deep corner route. That is that is you know to take the top off the defense. Raggins is a little different. He's explosive. Zion's a kid who we're going to give the ball to a ton behind the line of scrimmage. We're going to take one step and give it to him against a, a cornerback on an island. We're going to put him in motion and give him a jet sweep. We're going to put him in motion and throw it to him across the formation. Uh, and by the way, he's going to do a lot of the things that Mims did in the sense that he strikes me as a guy we're not going to put opposite the tight end and run that backside post, backside corner, backside go. He's a guy we're going to put two steps off the tight end off the ball and run him straight through the middle of the defense. Mims did it a ton his first couple of years. And Mims I mean, he it, it devastates defenses because when safeties read two to one, 
or three to two to one, they really peak at three or two. They're really looking at one because they know generally the outside receiver is the one who's going to be going down the field the most. And they feel like by alignment, they are on top of three or two already. A kid like that, when he's five yards, if you're in your back pedal and he's five yards to you, he's by you. And it just feels different. I remember when I played, uh, I was I was an all-state safety. In fact, I got recruited to OU as a, a DB. I never got a chance to play on that side of the ball, corner or safety. But there was a guy, his name was Ronald Curry. Uh, he was a 10-4 guy, Barry. And, you know, I, listen, I, it, was, it was like cheating. Imagine me and Roy in the secondary. Like, that was our secondary. And our other guy went to Fresno State, right? And the other guy went to Sac State on a track scholar. So those were our four DBs. I always would just, you know, cat mouse people, whatever. No, Ronald Curry ran right by me. That 10-4 just felt different versus everyone else. By the time I got out my hips, he's by me. I'm speed turning and he's running away from me. It's a foot race. Um, and he didn't catch the ball. But point is, different level. I see Raggins as the type of kid who is going to, you know, you, you think about Rainey and Dips and the 07, 08, Florida teams, they were primarily yep. running backs versus receivers, but those are guys who you just want to get them the ball in space. And, and, and it doesn't have to be a deep post like it has to be with Petaway. Petaway's probably a guy they try with some junk stuff, but Raggins 100% is a guy we will line up and just throw a now route. Let the corner line up seven yards in the backfield and and he's one-on-one they're just going to throw, throw the ball right now he's absolutely a guy we're going to run motion uh away from the tight end away from the strong side of the formation and it's just him the backside dn and the and the corner who's getting blocked by the receiver and the safety having to feel like good luck right he's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses now uh, but here's another part that makes it even sweeter you're stacking the deck like what if let me just throw a what if at you let me throw a what if at you barry what if Brennan Thompson works out and he's your, your proverbial Z? Let's just say he's a Z type receiver. He can run the in cuts. You know, he can run the the corner. He can run the the combo route with the tight end off the you know a levels route right with the tight end. Um, and then let's just say Petaway is an X. He's a guy who's going to run that backside post, that backside curl, that back backside comeback. He's going to drag across the formation right when the quarterback's running boot away from him. And then you got Raggins in the slot. I don't think any of those guys run slower than 10-5. Like, what that is what Florida did 10 years ago. And then, of course, they have Percy Harvin, right? One of those guys ends up being, or, or, or maybe it's a Tatum, or maybe it's a Durham, right? You get that other piece of the pie, assuming Tatum comes along or Durham still, or Durham still have a spot. That offense is deadly. That's deadly. Like, defenses... Ooh. You talk about you talk about offensive linemen being comfortable. Defense are, are going to have to play a shell defense, or they're going to have to bring the house and win. If they bring the house and don't win, it's a touchdown. If they bring the house and don't have personnel, we score fifty. They're going to have to play a shell cover two. They're going to have to play a very vanilla defense, um, and they're going to have to put smaller guys on the field. Which means if we catch up to recruiting with offensive linemen, we'll be able to lean on people. So big win for the program. Uh, again, I believe him in his own right 
I look at him as an X slash, excuse me, H slash Z receiver, which is a slot, a slot receiver, Z being on the single side, H being a floater on both sides of the formation. I look at him a little differently than I look at Petaway. Petaway to me is a down the field receiver, which you need. You need a receiver who's going to keep those safeties at their feet at 14 pre-snap. Make sure those safeties are jumping out at 45 degree angles so they're not screaming in the alley. But Raggins is the one where if the safeties are at 14, he's going to kill you with now routes. He's going to kill you with tunnel screens. He's going to kill you with slip screens. He's going to kill you with bubble screens. Um, and then, of course, be a mismatch. It, it's exciting. It's good to see. Uh, here's what I like to be. Lincoln who? Lincoln who? Like, he was supposed to be the offensive guru who this is the reason why we're getting all these studs. Psych, right? The offense is still pulling in top flight, top caliber offensive firepower. I said, I was just listening to the pod from last week, third Monday in October. I'm calling it now D-Day, baby. Third third Monday in October, we win that game. It's going to be an ascension like the early, early, early 2000s. I firmly believe that. So that's where I'm at with this. This is a huge pickup offensively. we got to get some more big uglies. On the offensive side of the ball, defensive line and 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 the, the back seven, it looks like we're gonna we got some guys pointing our direction. O line, we got to get a couple big uglies and we're in good shape. Man, that, so you you brought up an interesting point with, with kind of the Riley talk, and I know we've belabored this so much, but you go back to the nineteen class where he brought in the three five stars in in Bridges, Weiss, and Hazelwood, and it always struck me, and I even said this um, at certain points. Really, all three of them played a similar style of ball. They all were of the same ilk. Not None of the three were really burners at all. Weiss was never going to be that. Bridges had some good quick to him, was a polished route runner, like knew how to use his body, knew how to, how to kind of get to the right spot. And then Hazelwood had some open field ability. He was a little bit of a jitterbug pre-injury, but... With this class, it feels like there is such a, a a narrow focus on here's what we need a receiver, here's what we need at the other receiver position, here's what we need for for one running back slot, here's what we need for the other, right? So there is a, a a really a demand for certain attributes depending on where they view that guy playing, and if you put those three players out there. You you basically have three guys at receiver who are sub four four or and really like four three potential four three guys. And I don't I don't think at any time during the Lincoln era outside of Hollywood, Westbrook was really close. You only had one, maybe two of those guys at any point. Right. Bidette was a, a little bit of a burner, but he wasn't yeah, he, was. he wasn't polished like a uh, like, he wasn't a really polished route runner. And we talked a little bit pre-show and then I've discussed this on 360 where I did a really deep breakdown on Reagan's. I think because he does play in, in so many spots on the offense, he hasn't had a chance to really settle down and say, here is what I do for this offense. Here's what I'm going to work on. I'm going to polish up my routes in this way. I'm going to polish up my game in that way. So he's still kind of raw. There's still a lot of areas, obviously the strength stuff, which I actually want to talk about that too. Uh, but there's areas from a skill standpoint that he still has to improve. But, and if he was there already, if he was where, let's say a petaway was in terms of just the detail and the nuance of the route running, 
he'd be right at the edge of being a five-star player. It, that's just the elite speed that he brings. As far as the size, that is the one thing that everybody is generally critical of, and they were with Hollywood. I think in football today, especially at receiver, it is so overrated, right? So, so what do you need size for if you're going to really break it down? You need it historically uh, to have a little bit more durability. Well, now the way you hit guys is not like you hit guys back then. So having all of this upper body mass, right? Having so much girth in your lower body. I mean, is it really at the end of the day that valuable? He does need to put on 10 to 15, but even if he put on 10 to 15, he's going to be pretty close to where he needs to be, right? A lot of injuries now in college football are, are non-contact non-contact, or they're, or they're concussion-type injuries that are just fluke headshots where you really couldn't do anything about it. So for him, it's about maintaining the speed getting a, a little bit stronger to the point where he has maybe a little bit more pop in that change of direction, sort of the agility stuff. And I think more time against good competition will help him with that. I think right now, and I actually am just now thinking about this, one of the reasons that he's not necessarily a, a juke you out of your, out of your feet kind of guy is because he can just run by you. He hasn't had yep. to have that element to his game. He hasn't had to, have some good shake and be able to. So, so some of the nuances of his doing those little crossover moves where he's going right to left, they will improve, but he's done it off a of raw speed. Um, just in terms of kind of your overall outlook of the class right now, DMAC, uh, we're going to be finding out some other guys here pretty soon. I think Williams Winery is going to be committing very soon. Um, all signs point to that possibly being an OU uh, commitment. Uh, Georgia's still in there. There's some other schools uh, vying for his uh, for his play. But just as it looks right now, what are your thoughts on where the OU class stands at the moment? I'm gonna jump in on a second. I wanna I wanna speak to uh, Reagan's first. Number one, just like basketball is going to positionless basketball, football is going to positionless football. Right? When you look at skill guys, the objective in 2023 is to get them running away from a mismatch. And a lot of times, I remember when I was at OU, first we had Coach Langston, uh, uh, gosh dang it, what was, uh, I forgot his name, but the receiver coach, my first year, it wasn't Chuck Langston. Chuck Langston was the guy who got the UCO job. I forgot his name. He was one of those guys where it's like, you got to get to seven yards, you got to sink the hip, you got to stick the foot in the ground, head and shoulders, and your post has to be a bang eight, right? Like, he was very, you had to be in the exact spot. Then we got to Spurrier, and Spurrier was like, 90% of the route is beating coverage and beating your man. So if it's man to man, beat his hands, get half a hit, stack him or half a man him, and then wiggle him one way, run the other, right? He's hypo hit you on hypo, hypo hit you. Then when I got to, by the time I started doing uh, training in 707, I started doing a ton of 707. They were like, hey man, too high, right? Find the, find the, find the dead area. You know, you could have a curl route. The core rock could be seven yards. It could be 15 yards. Just run where they aren't. The ball is going to go where they aren't. Now, 2023, your ex needs to be a tactician with a, uh, a technician with his routes. And your Z needs to be a technician with routes when it's 1v1. Most of football is guys running away from coverage. Now, where you need to be extremely smart 
is your ability pre-snap and during the, the actual play happening, knowing what's happening, right? So you still have to have a high uh, level of aptitude and understanding what pre-snap coverage looks like and then what teams are doing post-snap. But it, it's not like the curl has to be 13 to 10 like we used to do in 2000. It's not like the, the, the slant needs to be on your third step. It's a look in like it used to be, right? No, it's beat the coverage, run away. The quarterback sees the entire field. They're going to throw you to daylight. And so for a player like Raggins, I wouldn't be surprised if he never I wouldn't say never, never is a terrible word, but he does. It isn't a requirement of his to have to run a 13 to 10 curl. It's not a requirement of his to run a post corner or a post dig that's 10 to 12 and then straight across that 15. It's not as important as it needed as it used to be in the past. What he needs to be able to do is be comfortable in his body. I don't think he needs a game anyway. He's got an entire 12 months before he gets to Norman. Guess what he's going to do? grow his first year on campus he's going to get a college uh a, a style of you know uh training table and and dietitian stuff the nutrition stuff guess what he's going to do grow so i hate when people are like oh they need to gain 20 pounds dude get out of here with your slow neck roll triple thigh pad <laughs> football you know that, that's not <laughs> people don't play yeah. that anymore it looked cool and you know uh the program the shoulder pads up to your ear holes nah man we trying to be comfortable let this young man grow naturally. Schmitty and crew know exactly what his body needs. I don't want him to gain 18 pounds if it means he's a 4-4-1 guy. I want him to be a 4-3-6, 4-3-4 guy. And I think that's something that the program did really well with both Didi and with Hollywood in that they didn't try to put weight on them for the sake of putting weight on them. Let the guys, let the guys be ball players, let the guys be athletes. And so speaking about him specifically. That's why I say I don't think he's a pedaway. Pedaway does need to he needs to know how to run um, the go route, sink that hip and lag and then come out of it and, and, and have the comeback. He needs to know how to wiggle his man at the top of his stem. And is he going post or is he going corner? He needs to be able to do both where they look the same. He needs to do both and then rock him and take him to the to the go. So Raggins is, is exciting because I, I like what you said. He compliments. Right. Weiss and Hazelwood were kind of like the same guy. It felt like. Link was trying to just who's number one and number two, but really they're the same dude. You know what I mean? Like uh, Bridges to me was going to be a stud. I think if his head's on right, he, he 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 does well and has success. Neither here or there. We clearly have a mixture of guys with different attributes, but they all have one thing in common, and that is speed. And then your back door. What do we get? We recruited the six seven kid, or is he six six? So we've got we got the two yeah. tall already. So we've got Gibson and we've got Anderson, who are both six four, six four plus. We've got the six six kid from Lubbock, the Lubbock Midland area, and then we got yep. the kid whose brother was at Texas Tech, who he's like six three. So those are your X types. We got four dudes six three and taller. So I love what I'm seeing in terms of Jones and Lebby and the rest of the crew putting together a roadmap to having nasty miss. Can you imagine? Listen, this is this is why this is important. And I know, I know you asked me about the class, but we got to speak to oh, this a little you're more. Good, people. go for it. Imagine we play a KU, who, by the way, KU all of a sudden people are like, oh, they could be the second best team. Yeah, but KU's corners are either five of ten or eleven and a good athlete, or six two and a four six dude. KU's not getting five star corners. You know what I'm saying? It, uh, that, that, who's the kid that they had that was a gangbanger and killed somebody just recently or his brother killed somebody. And he was, he was, I mean, he was a thug in college about 10, 15 years ago, played for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. What's that boy name? 
he had a he had a he not had, the running back, was it? No, he was a cornerback. He was a corner. He was a stud in the NFL. He probably just stopped playing in the NFL five years ago. Gosh dang it! When his name comes to mind, look him up. I know who but you're talking about, though. Uh, man. And by the way, he punked us a little bit. We he never beat us. KU doesn't beat us. But yeah, he, he was like he a was first round corner, wasn't he? First round draft pick and, yeah. a, and a thug. He a thug. Anyway, my point is this: they get one of those every century. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to come around once a century. Aside from that. KU might have a 6'2 corner, but he's going to run a 4'6, can't get out of his hips. Or they're going to have a 5'9, five, 5'10 five, guy. So when OU lines up in KU against Baylor, even the K-States, right? K-State, their frontline guys are, are D1 power five good. But with any injuries, K-State doesn't have the depth. We are going to kick ass. Like, we're going to kick ass. We got a 6'7 dude on the X. We got a 10'4 guy at the, at the Z. And he has polished routes, a guy like Petaway. We got a guy like Brennan Thompson at the H running running uh, um, jet sweeps and bubble screens. And then we got Raggins in the backfield or maybe the little wide. He's splitting the safeties like that's. And then you got Tatum and Sacha. Yeah, Sacha, who's a 10-5 guy at running back. Listen, it, it's, it's, it's a plan. You cannot duplicate speed in practice. You cannot all of a sudden catch speed, right? You got a team with four, six guys, four, five guys. You're not by the end of the game, all of a sudden going to be able to catch the guys you run four, three. You're just not going to be able to catch them. So it, it puts away those teams who in a non, uh, 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 if you don't have a non-explosive team, those guys can hang around. You got some athletes who can just turn, you know, what Worthy did to us a couple years back. He caught a little, a slip screen with one blocker and, and and gave a little wiggle and was out the gate 88 yards. Second play of the game or something like that. Exciting to see it. Class. Um, I like the class. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of pressure on last year's class to show up and, and be difference makers. I like that they show that the class, I think it's like 94 new players since BB has, has uh, taken over. This class right here will always be the class that will be uh, pinmarked by how how they contribute to the transition to the SEC. And so, um, you know, I, I like I like the approach and not getting desperate. Right. I'm sure people look at our class to date. I think they're like number 16. I don't know what it is. with Reagan's. Maybe it went up a little bit, but we're in the you're in the mid teens, maybe the lower teens. But here's something that uh, for the Sooner Nation, I want to make sure we all understand. Who remembers Lincoln Riley and even Bob in his last couple of years? We're in on some top fly guys and then they choose elsewhere. And then we've got to go get the, the 5'11", 215 pounder from Enid High School. And then we've got to go get right the, the fourth generation third teamer from a, a really good school in Louisiana. But this kid's like a guy who was on the JV red team until his senior year. Like we were going to get plan D guys and what coach Venables has done. If you're, if your complaint is a kid like a Gilmore, who's all of six, four and lengthy and strong and film shows he can separate and is, and is a dog, right? If your complaints are a kid like Ashton Sanders who comes in and is a guy who probably has the best first step on the D line already, then you're building that quality depth. And so when you when you take some of the three stars that people are like, why did you take this kid? It's because sometimes, right, you're going to say, hey, I'd rather have, you know, seven or eight 
Plan B kids wrapped up soon rather than shooting for all Plan A kids and then come right November, December, you got half the class to fill out. You've got two linemen, two backers, a running back, two receivers, and you're trying to figure out what to do. And now you're in a space of desperation. I think it's pretty smart by the coaches to say last year did not cement us as being back. Let's take some of these kids who we know are going to be developmental program right contributors, key contributors for the years to come. And then let's get our momentum back and clean up shop um, right around the, the season. And then, of course, early in the year, um, early in the football season, uh, September and October. So class wise, people may not love it right now, B, but for me, I get it. And I think it's wise. Here's the other part. We got better talent than everybody not named Texas. So what we need to do in 2023 is win this season, win this schedule, stack W's from this schedule because it'll create momentum. We already have better talent. What we need to do is sure up that talent with quality depth. So uh, if you made me grade it, give me a B, a solid 84.9. I'm not going to give it an 85. Give me a solid 84.9 with a lot of room to go up if we close out strong. And I'll tell folks, uh, if you really want some uh, kind of inside knowledge on what uh, what may end up happening, go check out Sooners360.com. There's some uh, some good stuff in there. I'll, I'll say last two things on on Reagan's. And as you were talking, I was thinking about this. The, the weight thing is so heavily overblown because the moment you, you, you really kind of hit it on the head, the moment he gets to Norman, one thing he's going to do that he probably has not done his entire high school career is learn how to really eat. And that is such a large piece of the puzzle that folks don't understand. They see the lifting of weights. They, they see kind of the, the splash stuff that gets posted. The most important aspect to it all is how are you eating? And a lot of these kids in high school don't necessarily always have, some of them have better nutritional habits not all of them have great nutritional habits so he is going to learn how to eat and eat a lot and he'll naturally grow from that and then the other piece watching his film he really knows how to how to take contact and not get punished a lot right he knows how to fall he knows how to move his body he has so much speed that's almost kind of kyler murray-esque where he has the advantage all the time and if he's pinned up, if he knows he's not going anywhere, he can just use that speed, get to the sideline, and you have a you might have him carry the ball 20 times and maybe really take contact five or six, right? Where where it's actual sometimes even less. The game I watched, um, I watched two of them against Dutchtown, and then there was another school that they played. Rarely did he even take a solid hit. I think he only took two when they were on some swing passes where guys had the angle. They were there before the ball got there. The the QB, man, one of his QBs was not very good. So <laughs> maybe if he has a different QB, he even puts up some bigger numbers. But yep. uh, DMAC, rarely are we quote-unquote hot take podcasting, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff that is currently circulating the interwebs. And I'm going to pull it up here. Brent Venables at Media Day had some things to say that were taken a certain kind of way by some Colorado Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Prime folks. And I'm going to read you the quote, 
And I want to hear your take on your old ball coach. Venable says, I was unlike Dion. I gave 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. Go to class, live right off the field. And when you show up here, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go 0 for 3 in 12 months, you need a fresh start. Basically, the point was he gave the players who were already there the opportunity to stay with the team, to to not just be kicked off. And if they did get to a point where they feel they needed to move on, he allowed that to happen. But he did not necessarily get there and immediately showed them the door. Situation was definitely a little different than it was in Colorado. It, it was a program that wasn't, you know, Colorado's not been very good for a while. So a little bit different scenario, but I want to get your thoughts. So three things can happen and all be true. Number one, we have to assume Norm Coach B that he didn't just bring Deanna up out of thin air, right? So we have to assume, I don't know the context of the, the, the previous question, but somebody did their job in journalism. Kudos to whoever that individual was who, pre who preempted uh, prompted coach to, you know, compare, make a comparison to Dion. Also kudos to coach for not being a stale faced, uh, 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 you know, kind of like toe the line guy. Good, good salute to coach V for telling the truth. By the way, both things happen. Coach V came in and gave guys an opportunity to show if they want to be a part of the program or not. It's a fact. And some guys who why, we belabored all season, like they need to go home, cut them. And of course, you know, the, the egomaniac side of us, the fanatical side of us as fans, we are very uh, closely connected to and the program is near and dear to us. So what Coach V said at face value is 100% correct. And what Coach Prime said also is true. Salute. And by the way, there's rumors going around that he never said it. I don't know if you guys saw the, the, the tweets and he said, I didn't say it. In fact, if I would have said something about the coach, I would have brought up for a Lamborghini versus Ferrari. So I thought that was funny, but it's, it feels to me like all three took advantage of the situation, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Right. And, 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 and both of these things are, are going to be things we are all watching closely come September, the first week. Vegas has a OU as a nine and a half over under for wins for the season. Colorado is, is are they going to have a winning season? So, you know, it's pressure on Coach V to go up and put up 10 wins. That, that pressure is coming squarely from me, from Vegas, from fans. Some people say, nine, nah, I don't want the nine and four. I want the, I want the 10 and three. That's what I want minimally for us heading into the SEC, but Coach Prime is cute. Yo, you, we everybody know you know how to talk smack. Everybody know, right? You a guy who who has always been able, right? What what do you say? If I play good, I mean, if I dress good, I feel good, and if I feel good, I play good, right? We know that. Well, we gonna see what happens when if, if you can coach good. We gonna see. Mm -hmm. And 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 are you gonna be a Lamborghini? Are you gonna be a Range Rover? Maybe you might be a Honda Civic. You know what I'm saying? Maybe your program, maybe your program, you you might be, you know, you might stick around Boulder, Colorado for two years. We don't know. And so when I heard the quote, by the way, I laughed. First thing I did is I laughed. First thing, I, well, actually, the first thing I did, I said, dang, that's actually true. Coach Venables told the truth. Like he actually told the truth, which is, you know, par for the course with him. 
Then I saw Dion's response and I laughed. I was like, Dion is a food. That's hilarious. It fits, it fits, it's par for the course with Dion, right? Dion's gonna take that opportunity to provide marketing, engagement, right? An opportunity for oh, yeah. the CU program to getting uh, to to get, you know, some notoriety and some publicity. But but for all the folk to come out and act like Coach Venable said something bad, for some folk in the black community to start boohoo and high high and go in victimhood or, you know, a split mentality where we got split folk up. Hey, man, Coach V told the truth. Dion told the truth. They two grown ass men who have pressure to win in their respective programs. Like, let's let the chips fall where they may. Let's let the chips fall where they may. Because uh, OU wasn't scrambling to get a bunch of Colorado transfers. Just, just so we all know, right? We, we, they can have them. Whoever them kids were and where they went, salute to those kids. You can't have one side of your mouth say uh, we got a Ferrari or a Lamborghini with everyone you say, and then on the other side say we was asking for your kids because you don't got a lot of Ferraris over there. So we wasn't going out to recruit Honda Civics. We wasn't going out to recruit, you know, what I'm saying a Dodge Step Up Rams from 1990, 1997. Step side, we not, we're not recruiting those, right? We're going to go recruit the blue chip, uh, 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 top top shelf kids. But here's how I look at it, B. They're not on the schedule. I'm rooting for Dion. Of course I want Dion to be successful. Are you kidding me? I'm a, I grew up watching Dion. Uh, I was a hater of Dion when he was on the Falcons. I was a lover of his game when he became a Niner and won us our last Super Bowl. And then That's I began right. to hate him again when he was on the Cowboys. And then I liked him when he ended up in, in – uh, well, he didn't end up in Baltimore, but when he was in Washington and then he won another Super Bowl in, in, in Baltimore. Yeah. Dion is good for football. Dion's Dion's approach to to grooming young men is good for football. Dion's acumen to the game is good for football. Now I will say this: when I was at Cedar Hill, he was at Cedar Hill. He used to try to st steal our kids. I will say that Dion used to come to our track meets and situations, and he would be trying to politic the kids to go to the private school that he was at up the street. Oh, and man. we would have to tell him, hey, man, you got to roll because Dion Dion's a marketer, right? He out there selling yep. people. But the comment itself, coach told the truth. Dion took advantage of it. But Dion, if you made me bet a thousand bucks, will OU get to nine and a half wins or will you guys get to six? I'm taking OU all day and twice on Sunday because in September, it ain't going to be a lot of talking, brother. It's going to be X's and O's and Johnny's and, 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 and Tyrone's inside those white lines. And hopefully your stack up. I like the way our stack up, and and, and uh, we can share we can share quotes and tweets come mid season and talk about Ferraris and Honda Civics. So we'll, we'll see how things shake up. Barry, I'm interested to know, brother, what was your thoughts about that scenario? I thought the whole thing was utterly ridiculous, blown out of proportion. At the end of the day, Venables was just being honest, and to even compare the two situations as well, like. You have OU who is coming off of uh, a college football playoff, you know, just a couple or at least an appearance a couple, two or three years earlier, a team that literally the year before that had won a Big 12 championship in 2020. So they're not far from that. You're not going to be letting a lot of those players go at all. And when he got there, you know, we've discussed the point a ton I think he probably thought there was more talent at Oklahoma and just wanted to with the, let me say this with the points that he's made about being holistic development, supporting guys on and off the field, it would have gone against everything that he has said to get there and just cut guys loose. Right. 
your David Aguebus, your your Justin Broyles, your guys who have meant a lot to the program that mean a lot to their teammates, the the players that yes, fans are critical, can't stand it sometimes when you see them on the field. But we're not in that locker room. We're not on campus. Well, we're not on the field with them. We don't know what those relationship dynamics were like. I'm sure you had guys on your team who were like that. So if Venables got there and immediately said, y'all got to go, in OU's situation, that would have created massive dissension. Colorado was already in a downward spiral. It almost made sense for Dion to come there and say, hey, you guys suck. Get to get to stepping. Let, let, let's move on. We're done. And and so so it really is to to quote you. It's a little bit of apples and doorknobs in terms of making this a gigantic <laughs> thing. But I do want to I want to get your perspective because I tweeted earlier today, or really re or quote tweeted, whatever you want to call it. Michael Wilbon, did you see what he said? Did did you happen to catch this? I did, and I saw that people said he stuck his foot in his mouth or took it took it to the twelfth degree. I hadn't I been working so on he, it. Give, give, give me the give me the gist. I'll of give it. you the I'll give you the gist of it. Uh, when they were talking about this situation, it was pretty early on PTI, so it was a, it was a bigger story, which honestly it shouldn't be. I think it's a gigantic nothing burger, but still. It's interesting. Kornheiser was basically, you know, how, how did Venables come to, to this thought process? Why is he attacking Dion? And to some extent, Wilbon said, you know, I have my suspicions on why he feels like this. And the implication was that Brent Venables is a white head coach, that Dion Sanders is a black head coach, and that a lot of this attack on Dion and the way he handled things has an undertone of, of prejudice or racism. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, having played for Venables, if that was even a factor? Wilbon doesn't know Venables. If he knew him, he would never say that. It's time out on the Black community playing the victim role. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Hell yes, we have systematic racism and oppression and prejudice against us. I experience, I still experience it every single day. I don't let it stop me from getting what a, what a, what a excuse my friends, but what a fuck I want to go in life. You know, and some people come in under under fire in ways that you can't control. This ain't one. Dion ain't a freaking victim. Coach Venables told the stinking truth. He 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 was talking about the dynamics of the program he took over versus the dynamics of the program Dion took over. He was talking about his approach versus Dion's approach. Both can work. Both may work. Both may fail. For Wilbon, I get it right. That this, this is kind of like media today. And Wilbon is a well-respected, highly decorated journalist for over 30 plus years so he knows better but this ain't the fight this ain't the fight where you say you know uh some white head coach is is taking advantage of his privilege and can do things his own way and Dion has to do it like nah that's that's super lame that's super whack uh and as someone who has a lot of reverence for Will Bond and and Will what he has done and meant to the journalistic community and to the black professional media community. He's somebody I respect, but he, 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 he fouled for that one. He's super lame for that one. Uh, at the end of the day, Colorado going to pay Dion if they win. Oklahoma is going to pay coach B if they win. And both men are responsible for doing what's necessary to get their program set up to win. And neither of them are victims. There ain't no way, shape, form, of, of, in, in any capacity where Dion needs anybody to come to his defense because he chose to change his program how he saw fit. Coach Venables chose to change his program how he saw fit, and Coach Venables can speak up to that. 
especially if someone asked a question. If someone asked him the question about how Dion did things versus how he did things, guess what? He's allowed to respond. So Wilbon, that that that's some that's some lame ass shit. I'm I'm a I I'm surprised he went that route to with with the innuendo and and kind of the you know gaslighting being a victim. Right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And, and both of those guys have to win on their own merits. Both coaches, I think, are in a position to win. By the way, I'm still going to be cheering for Dion to be successful this season because they're not on the schedule. I think it's good for college football if if Dion is successful. I mean, you have a guy who who does happen to also be a black head coach, and there has definitely been an issue with that at the highest levels of college football. Black players who primarily play the game and who have played the game for decades now, and at all of your really top programs. Uh, you you don't really see the really at all them manning the head positions, the AD positions, things like that. So stuff like that does need to to see growth in in this country for sure. DMAC, this might be the most important discussion that we hit on. Have you ever seen the movie The Purge? All of them. All of them. Second all question. Them. They're written. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen all of them. Okay. Second question. Did you or any of your teammates at any point in your career at Oklahoma ever have a bucket of masks in the locker room in which you would put on to begin some type of naked hazing ritual? <laughs> Listen. <Lord is> hot. <laughs> Listen. First things first, that would have never, ever been allowed <laughs> in our locker room. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, maybe if you're like mediocre year in and year out and you got to find reasons to get excited or, or, or you know, you got upperclassmen who haven't earned the right to be leaders. So they create these old rituals and cult things. And gosh, can I say gay, gay things to, to, to stir the pot? I'm saying it. I don't care. Whatever, cancel me. Uh, <laughs> we were worried about winning ships, bro. And let me tell you, listen, if we felt any type of vibes that was not appropriate, you was getting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> if there was any kind of vibes. Oh, and hey, man, no question. I, I, I can't judge. I, I've only played at OU and I just happened to get there when I got to OU. Barry, we had dudes that were probably better at being thugs than ball players. Like my freshman year, we had dudes on that team who, like, you know, what I'm saying I was I was fresh out of high school, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to Oklahoma. It's going to be tumbleweeds and cowboys. No, we we had some thugs. I was like, okay, you know, I'm glad I know this environment because you know. But uh, and then and then the championship years they just came like boom, we playing for chips. Ain't nobody thinking about no wearing weird masks and running around flopping and you know what I'm saying? Come on, bro. What are we doing here? That's, oh my that God. is, that is, man, I don't even have uh, an analogy or an example. The big, the closest thing to Hazen that I could ever see to some of the stuff that's coming out about Northwestern is when I played high school football, they had this thing called take your pond. I'm not going to say the guy's names, but I was a JV player my sophomore year. Roy went straight to varsity yeah. and I got pulled up during the season. But when you're on JV, if you walked in their locker room, JV players, they would 
called Take Your Pawn, and they would basically slap you, like across the across the helmet, across the back uh, of your helmet, or they grab you and they push you up against the lockers and kind of rough you up a little bit. It was called Taking Pawn. I think if you were on varsity, like your first during fall camp, they would do it to you during two days, and then after that, if the JVs got caught in the varsity locker room. When I got to OU, man, we was Coach Smitty would kick our ass. Like we was whooped in the locker room. Wasn't nobody running around playing grab ass or naked with that willies and you know what I'm saying? Nah, bro. We was in there to get, handle business and get out of shit. We had some ladies. Now, 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 now. Outside the locker room. Don't get I, fired. I, 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 look, yeah, I know, bro. <laughs> Let me not. Let me not. Cause <laughs> nah. I can tell you about some stuff that happened. <laughs> co-ed. <laughs> That's a little different. Oh oh a little different, co-ed. I can tell you some stories. There oh were some co-ed. Some co- <laughs> oh, man, you just brought back some memories. There was some co-ed stuff that transpired now. And, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to speak on that on air. Let's oh just say, gosh. hey, man, we're sooner. It was, it was good times to be a sooner, late 90s, early 2000s. Let's just say that. Jeez. Man, and I'm not. What's your thoughts? What's your the the team building piece, which is like I guess they're doing this at Northwestern to try and have some some sort of punishment, something that the guys uh, don't want to happen to them. It is funny. Uh, I couldn't imagine Coach Stoops, Nick Saban, or maybe Urban Meyer. I don't know, um, but any of these guys <laughs> being being the type of coach that would allow something like that. I mean, you were talking about just, just some manly men who just have their thoughts, their viewpoints, that they're, they're not going to waver on anything. Um, and I am not necessarily anti having fun, especially in high school. A lot of schools have gotten rid of hazing entirely, especially here in Oklahoma, just because this is what it turns into when you allow it, when you let, Young, I mean, these are adults, but uh, when you let young men just kind of have at it and do what they want to do to punish other young men, this is what you end up getting. So especially when the coaching staff condones it, I just I could not imagine something like this going on at Oklahoma. Um, and, and and I'm sure like players would get mad at each other. There would be, you know, the things that happen. And you've talked a little bit about that. But in terms of the organization they they had stuff, yeah. uh, DMAC, that was up on the whiteboard, uh, supposedly, yeah. where they would, you yeah, know, symbols were doing practice. Down. He had symbols. Yeah. He, he had symbols. He did some stuff in practice. He was letting them know, like, yo, get him. Y'all, he, 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 he wilded. Oh, my gosh, man. But I, maybe it's not surprising that it was a school like Northwestern that doesn't win a whole lot of football games year after year. You know, Pat Fitzgerald was there for a long time. So maybe it, it, the bigger story is that something like this got put under wraps. So do, were you aware that the person who outed this had actually gone to the AD? Because a lot of people said that uh, he was doing this for fame and notoriety. He had actually gone to the president and the athletic director like a year and a half before and said, hey, this stuff is going on. And then finally, uh, he went to the news media journalists got a hold of it and they said you know well we gotta we gotta put this on blast and then when it happened you know they released they suspended uh fitzgerald i think pretty quick but then finally let him go you know just the fact that it was stayed quiet for so long it's amazing that some of this stuff can 
go that long, not get, you know, kind of put out there for public consumption. A lot of times you end up hearing about this, but maybe that is what happens at programs that aren't winning football games. Nobody cares, DMAC. Nobody cares. Uh, you know what people do care about, though? OU recruiting, OU team info, the inside scoop on what is going on with your Sooners. And you know where you can find that? Over on Sooners360.com. You know where you can hear honest but fair assessments of the OU players and recruits right here on the Barry and Mac show. DMAC, as we get out of here today and close down the show, show number 52, by the way, I think we'll be nearing the 60 mid 60s by the time the season starts probably yep. hit episode 100 in season we'll have to do something special for that um do you, yep. you got anything uh, anything interesting any kind of a uh, motivational inspiration for sooner nation as they get to the end of july where they believe they uh we're going to have just a massive slew of five-star commits and may still we will see how things go <laughs> What are your words nah. for Sooner Nation? My words are suck it up. We got about six weeks, seven weeks. Um, it's a big year. I heard what I want to say. I want to. I want to give some props to my my uh, my counterpart here. B, you've been grinding, bro. Twitter Spaces, the the analysis. Obviously, you're running. You know, running point guard on this. Uh, running point guard with Reggie. Uh, being in, being inclusive with Chris and those guys. Man, you've been you've been putting in work, bro. Super grateful to have you, you know, saying as a partner in crime. And, and that's always a joy, man. We said this episode sure. one, and I still feel the same way. This is a passion project. I, I have a blast. I can't believe we get paid money to do this. That's pretty sick. Hey, <laughs> and we can cut a check to do this, but I would do I have done it for free and I have zero problems doing so. Sooner Nation, um, you know, I, I just think it's the time to have that quiet confidence. Like I was saying at the end of the last show, like this is the time, this is the season, this is the, the, the time where the guys are getting that quiet confidence. Uh, I know, like, these are the times, Barry, when, when I was at OU, I was coming off a knee. I could dunk a basketball, right? I, I could, like, I could I could get up there and put it in, but I couldn't, like, flush and, and like, you know what I'm saying? Ugh, Andre Wolfolk mm -hmm. could be in the air and, ugh, right? He had all these John Connor, you know, D-straight, D-straight. Ugh, these guys are just, like, super dunking. But every summer, last couple of weeks of July, Oh, I could get like like me and Jay Hunt and Jay Hunt towards me too. We both be in the, in the huff and we could boom, we could bang it. It's because you were like optimal talent, right? Like you yeah. just, but we felt like we felt like uh, I don't know, like uh, what are those guys? gladiators? Remember that the show used to come on in the '90s on ESPN, gladiators? Like we oh, felt yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. like just hip top shape. The guys, I know they feel good. I know this is a season where. Coach doesn't want any any soft tissue injuries because this is where those will really slow you down. So they're 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 doing a lot of ice baths. They're doing a lot of massage. They're doing a lot of recovery. Uh, Schmitty's still killing them for that two hours. They're still getting their butts kicked, but their bodies are accustomed to it. They there's no new workout. Schmitty's not going to introduce something week six during summer, right? So they know what's coming. He might lower the times or add an additional rep or something like that, but. Man, this is this is when you like it's time to play ball, man. Like all the other stuff is coming to a uh, to an end. The season is coming to a head, and then it's just pray that you get through fall camp help. Pray that you get through fall camp help. So I like the squad. Um, I, Sooner Nation, I, I think we had we should keep that quiet confidence and and have the expectation 
I want our energy, our vibrations to be that we expect our team to win every game. I don't want our vibe. I went to a game, B, I went to a game. I went to the K-State game last year. I went to two games last year. I forgot the second game, but I went to the K-State game last year. We lost. Uh, first loss of the season. And I could just feel the vibration in the in the stands that it was a lot of um, no true belief. And I remember when I was a Sooner, and I remember when I would come watch him seeing those guys. And even up until like, uh, uh, um, what's my boy's name? Um, oh man, uh, McCoy and those guys. I went to a game and I always felt like Sooner magic was in the air. Like, we're going to find a way to win this game. Like, I, I, you could just feel like, oh, we're going to win. The K-State game was the first game I went to that we were behind. And I was like, yo, the energy don't feel right. You know what I'm saying? Like this, 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 I don't know. We're like, man. And then we end up losing in the game. So I, I just want to say to the Sooner Nation, those who are listeners, those who are uh, passionate about the program, like let's have the vibrations and the expectation that we're going to win every game, especially home games, um, especially against teams that can't compete with us talent wise. Let's, let's make sure we, we get back to being top shelf, ass kicking, boomer sooner, OU DNA. Not that we, we created being number one. So, that's what I have to say. Let's get it. Sooner Nation, want to thank you all for uh, tuning in today to the podcast. Make sure to go visit Sooners360.com. Follow the Barry and Mac show on Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. DMAC is at D underscore Mac 13. And you can find me everywhere at BWISE Fitness, letter BWISE Fitness. Just want to thank everybody. I, I did have something to uh, say on this and you can actually uh, probably echo these sentiments. Uh, a lot of folks sort of knowing what I do also knowing that, uh, you know, in involved in 360 and making things happen. And people say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go out there and do something on my own, but what do I do? And DMAC, you may have different advice, but as you were talking, and I appreciate all the, all the kind words that you're saying about me. Um, I'm very passionate when I get into something, and I, I'm, I'm a very hard worker in that respect. And all I will say to folks who have reached out to me on this, be a hard worker, be willing to put in the time, uh, but also set your value and, and know what your time is worth in every respect. I probably you know, have more going on now than I ever did working for somebody. But in any case, I'm way happier, control my time, own my time. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. And, and that's a blessing. But my advice, if I was given anything is start today, literally right now, take this second and write down a thing. This is what I did and what, what I have other people do. Write down one of the things that will help you get closer and then write down another thing and get it done. Make a list of things that you need to get done and then by the time they're finished, you're there. And next thing you know, what seemed like a long time is not uh, just like this podcast and how we started. So appreciative of all of the folks who have just become fans. It's crazy to see just regular everyday listeners on the on the Twitter spaces, people who show up DMAC. Every episode, we got people, whether it's 9.30 in the morning or 9.30 at night, <laughs> it's the same folks showing up every time. They're asking questions. They're getting involved. They're retweeting. They're sharing. And, and I can't thank you all enough for that. Um, it is absolutely awesome. Never thought in a million years, three years from uh, three years back 
that I would be doing anything like this. So it's crazy. Uh, but want to thank you all for the love. Uh, make sure to go uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to Reggie's, the Reggie Pearson Jr. Show, everywhere you listen to podcasts. But thank you all for listening, and we will see you soon.